It's working off, people. It's paying off, man. Hey, what an awesome, what an awesome morning. What an awesome morning. Hey, I just want to start off by saying that today's a lot about you as well, okay? Hey, a lot of it's about you today. So, you know, it's fun, funny, eh? Hey? It's funny. I, you know, for me, God is so good. He's so good. Who we were saying it before. Sometimes he's too good. He's certainly all good. You know, sometimes he's good when I'm not good. He's good when you're not good. He's good even sometimes when we think he's not good. Because God is all good. He is nothing but good. Nothing, man. So I'm just going to start off with a prayer. Lord, I thank you that you are all good, Lord. I thank you, Father, that this is a day that you have made and we shall rejoice in it, Lord. We choose to rejoice in it. We choose to see the good. We choose to see you, Lord God. We choose to see your light that shines out of darkness, Father God. And so, Lord, I thank you today, Lord, that you've got something in store for every single person here this morning, Father. Every single person that has come, you've got something for them, Father. So we just give you thanks for today and we commit this service to you in Jesus' name. We all said, Amen. 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 Whoo! Right. My message is called Box Breaker. And it was something that Matt said the other week. And I started thinking about it. It's funny how messages come to me sometimes. It's usually just through a word. It's usually the title that I start with and then I work backwards from there. And then I copy and paste from a few other messages. <laughs> get onto desperatepreaching.com and nah, nah, nah. But what I mean is I get a word and then I follow that word. You know, Lord, the Lord leads me. Spirit leads me. And something that when Matt said box breaker, something just hit me in my spirit. Because I've been in many boxes. I've been in boxes that I've put myself in. I've been in boxes that other people have put me in. I've been in boxes without even knowing I'm in a box. You know? And so here's the scripture that I'm going to start with. It's Romans 12.2, and it says, just the first part of it, it says, Do not be conformed to this world. Be not conformed to this world. And that's talking about the ways of the world, the system of the world. The J.B. Phillips says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. You know, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I've felt like I've been squeezed into a mold. I feel like other people's expectations or even the system and society sort of stops you from being who you want to be. You know, um, when I look at conform, I looked up conform. I sort of knew what it meant, but I just wanted to be sure. Um, conform to rules, usually. But it says, it said this bit, which I really thought was interesting. It said, behave according to a standard. Behave according to a standard. I don't know if you've checked the world's standards lately, but they're slipping. They're slipping, man, big time. You know, and, and if I'm honest, I've conformed to this world before. I know what the result is. I know what Richard Brown looks like without Jesus. I know what he looks like when he's conformed to this world. Not good, Pastor. I'm not good. You know, because if we conform to this world, then we just become full of fear, full of greed, anger. So then that creates stress and pressure, then you're toxic, and then all of a sudden you're burnt out, then you're overwhelmed. And then what? Then the doctor sees you're depressed and chucks you on some pills, you know? So the world system is all about pressure. You know, and it starts at a really young age. You know, I hear labels on young kids these days. He's got ADHD. Now, don't get me wrong, some kids may be a bit full on, have ADHD, you know? But from a very young age, when I was young, I would have had ABCDHD, and probably LMNOP as well. Honestly, I would have been diagnosed with that and probably gone, yeah, they're right. But the thing about it was I just had a lot of passion with no purpose. 
that's what it was. I had all this passion and all this fire and I had nowhere to put it. Nowhere to channel it. So I had no purpose. So that's what it was, you know. But here's the thing. You get to school and right from the start, eh, they'll put labels on you. You know, they say to you, I, I, had, I, had one, I had someone tell my daughter that not only so much, we were basically trying to tell her she was dumb. And, and at the end of the day, she's never dumb. Never, ever dumb. It, just the way that she learned was different. The way she received information was different. And then the moment that they changed the teaching structure for her, massive, massive change, okay? Um, even with young people, we put so much pressure on them at, at school way. It's like, what are you going to do with your life? Hey, I don't know about you, but I, I haven't even got that worked out fully yet. Hey, yet we ask a 13-year-old, what are you going to do with your life? And they just go, oh my gosh. And they get so overwhelmed that what? They end up doing nothing. So you end up getting pressured, man. I always used to, I'll never forget my son, he come to me, because um, this is how it works in our family, he come to me and he goes to me, I'm dad. He's, he, was, he was almost 16, and he come to me and he goes, dad, done with school, bro. I'm over school, I'm done with it, you know? And I'm sitting there going, really? Okay, he goes, yeah, nah, don't want to go back next year. And I said, well, because I can't work with what people don't want to do. So I said to him, well, what do you want to do? And he said, oh, dad, I want to be a plumber. He said, I've got this uh, scholarship that I can get. So I said, sweet, you go get that sorted before school starts and you can do it. If you haven't got anything sorted, you go back to school. Well, anyway, long story short, he gets that sorted. He does a year of it. He graduates as a plumber. I'm sitting there going, he's going to be, well, you know, for his first year. I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's going to go do, a, do an apprenticeship and we're going to have a plumber. <laughs> we're going to have a plumber, mean. So he finishes, he gets graduate. I go to his graduation, he gets handed a certificate, everything that goes towards his, his, the first year of his apprenticeship and everything. And I said, so you just relax over Christmas and then go and look for an apprenticeship. Oh, Dad, I don't want to be a plumber. <laughs> hey, I don't, oh, well then what do you want to, what do you want to do, what do you want to do? And uh, fortunately enough, he met a, a, a very, he knew a, a lovely man who owned a plastering business that we all know and he started working for him and he's been there ever since, you know, he's enjoyed it. The point I'm making is we sometimes try and squeeze people into a box. We try and say to them, you've got to be a plumber. You've got to be a plumber. You've got to be this. You've got to be that. You know? um, so we start to try and, I think, just conform people without even knowing it. You know? uh, education. You know, like I talked last week about education, how in the schools they teach the theory of evolution. We've all been taught that. I, I got taught that in school. Well, I think I did. I can't remember it, but I'm pretty sure they would have. But here's the thing, it's a, the theory of evolution amazes me. This is taught throughout schools, hard, yet it's a theory. A theory is something that's not quite proven, it's unproven. So there's, and, and look, there's an unproven theory being taught in schools. And, and, and the thing that I, I don't like about that is that then God's getting taken out of it, so you lose all this balance. But I spoke about this the other week, which I really wanted to touch on again. You know, for evolution, there is a missing part in the facts, hey, there's a missing part in those facts. So there is a space between, between them where they have to believe in something that's not proven. Okay? So even evolution, there's some faith in there. You've got to believe in something they haven't seen. Sound familiar? Sounds like Jesus to me. But the thing about it is that, you know, until that missing link, they call it the missing link, hey, until that missing link's found, then it's still unproven. You know, um, I think it'll be something like Bigfoot. You know, if they if they do find it, I, I watch a program on Animal Planet. Anyone watch Finding Bigfoot? 
You want some funny Bigfoot? Um, yeah, no, it's on Animal Planet. I watch, I watch, it, I watch, I watch nearly all of the seasons. Um, there's nine seasons of finding Bigfoot, okay? So spoiler alert, they don't find them, okay? <laughs> they don't find them. But it's actually really funny because there's this program and there's these two guys, Cliff and Bobo. Cliff and Bobo, and they're Sasquatch hunters, okay? So they go hunting Sasquatch. So what will happen is the program will start and Bobo and Cliff and their mates will be there and they will go out into the densest bush in, in pitch black darkness, thousands of acres, looking for a Sasquatch. Okay, so they get there and they go, right, what should we do? And he's like, Bobo's like, I reckon we go down this way, we split up into two groups and you go that way, we'll go that way, you go through the valley and I'll flank over the hill. So cool, they come up with a plan. Ten minutes in though, Bobo decides, I wonder if I'll do a, I'll do a Sasquatch call. I'll put a call out. And this is quite funny because I actually Googled yesterday Sasquatch call to see what it sounded like, what they thought it sounded like. And I'm not kidding, there's a Sasquatch calling competition that on, over in America on ESPN, on ESPN. Seriously, this is like, this is, along with baseball and everything, there's Sasquatch calling. And anyway, Bobo does this big, you'd have to excuse me because I, I don't know a, a Sasquatch call, but he does this big, you know, he does a big call out called Big Roar. Well, Cliff's on the other side of the hill, isn't he? Did you hear that? That there is a squatch. That's a squatch. And then they're like, keep a call back to him. Oh, then Bobo's over here going, hey, did you hear it? He's calling back. And then they're both, so they're both trying to find each other, calling out, getting closer and closer until they come together. So they come together and then they go, did you hear that? That there is a squatch. You know, and the other guy goes, yeah, I heard him, I heard him. And they're looking around and realizing, oh, he must have got away. Well, he's season 10 for you, isn't it? You know, like, but, but the funny thing about it was the, the, the more that they were looking for this truth, the further they were getting away from the truth, the further they were getting away from it. I mean, they were in a Sasquatch hotspot. You don't find them there. You don't find them anywhere. He could be up in the Uruwetas. We don't know. Hey, oh, yeah. <laughs> Scarier things up there than Sasquatch. Um, but yeah, so it just made me laugh. It just made me laugh that they just, they just get lost, you know. They're getting away from the truth. Because we get conformed to what truth is. We get conformed to truth, you know. That's one thing I love about Jesus. Your truth opens up massively. How you see world, the world opens up massively. Because, you know, if you get conformed, like, I'll use an example, success. What is success these days? You know, if someone said to you, are you rich or are you successful, how would you explain that? How would you gauge that? You know, um, my wife and I went overseas two years ago. We went around Europe and we met so many people. And I just can't keep my wife quiet, mate. She was just out there meeting everyone. And, um, and, and we were meeting these strangers just out of nowhere and we'd end up going out with them for the night, we'd go out for dinner or we'd do something with them. And it was funny because they would always talk about their positions. They'd always talk about their finances, their property, their boats, their yacht, their sports car. Um, you know, for me, I wanted to talk about all 1800cc of my care, but um, <laughs> well, I just didn't think it would cut it. And, um, and you know, like we're sitting there and that's all they talked about. And the one thing I noticed with Bev and I is all we talked about was our kids and our grandkids. Why? Because that's my success. That's my investment. Caleb was a super yacht. Put that much money into him? Hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Kyron, I would have had a Harley Davidson. Mate, I'd be loaded. 
But the thing about it is that that's my investment. My success in life is my legacy that I leave behind when I'm gone. Not my money that I leave behind. Yeah, I'll leave you some. I'll leave you some. Yeah, I saw him like, look up. Um, but you know, the thing is, is, is that's, that's what I've invested in. I've invested in Christ. I've put the last 25 years of my life into church, into people, into Christ, into life. And don't get me wrong, God's looked after me. God's looked after me well and truly. More than I could ask for. But the thing about it is that we get conformed to think that, that success is everything being perfect. Only place everything is perfect is heaven and Facebook. It's the only, hey, that's the only two places where everything's perfect. You know? But it was funny, you know, because for me, I, I asked one guy, he was a sports car racer and he owned all these sports cars, and I said, what fulfillment do you get out of it? And I don't think he understood, you know. He goes, oh, I drive, I love to drive. When you drive, oh, I drive them, you know, maybe every few months. Once every few months, you know. I'm like, man, you've got this massive investment sitting there doing nothing with it, bringing you no real fulfillment other than it's in your car and in your garage and you can talk about it, you know. Um, yeah. We've got to change our mentality. We've got to change our mentality on success. We've got to change our mentality on, on, on rich. And we've got to change our mentality on life, I think. You know, it says what? Be not conformed to this world, to this system, to this way. And then it goes on, it says, be transformed. See, there's one thing I love about God. He doesn't just point out what not to do. He points out what to do and how to do it. So it says, be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing of your mind. I know what it's like to have a renewed mind. I remember someone said to me, oh, you're going to church, you've been brainwashed. And I sat back and I thought, my, actually, my brain didn't need a big wash. Eh? It really did. The rubbish that I'd let get in there, the, the mindsets that I had needed to be washed away. They needed to be taken out of my life because it was just putting me in a box. You know, I remember the very first time I experienced God. The very first time I ever experienced Him. And um, this was in the early episodes for you that haven't heard the message. But I was in a really bad place. I was in a really bad place. My mind was in a pit. That's how I describe it. It was like in a pit. Uh, I was overwhelmed with addiction, and I was a physical mess, man. Like, that low-carb, high-heroin diet, it, um, it strips the fat off, but it's not good for you, you know? So I'm in this bad-ass place, the worst place I could ever think of, and it just didn't seem like there was any hope. Why? Because I was listening to the world. I hadn't heard about Jesus yet. So I was trying to sort all this out of the world. The world was what got me in that mess. And I was looking to the world to get me out of it. You know, so I'm, I'm a physical mess. Um, the government had just let me out off time out. Um, the aversion of time. This makes sound so much nicer, eh? I might use it for now. Sounds like, yeah. So I just got out, I just got off time out and I'd moved out here. And talk about being in a box, man. Talk about being in a box, man. I'd put myself in this box. And um, it, was, it was a dark, horrible place, you know? And I'd conform to that way. I'd pretty much conform to that is my life. I remember I was about 25 years old. It sounds funny now, but 25 years old, and I was sort of like, oh, well, it was a good life. You know, wrap it up. I'm retiring now. I'm not doing anything. I'll just, this will just be me for the rest of my life. You know, I had nothing going for me, and I had nothing left in me. And this is how I know it was God, because it wasn't me. But my encounter, my encounter with God, and... Um, Ruth mentioned it in her testimony. It can be gradual. Hey, you, you can have a gradual thing where God's gradually working through stuff in you, and you can have some instant stuff. 
You know, God's, God's not, not worried about doing things instant. He can do things instant. For me, I look back at my breakthrough, and it was gradual. It was gradual until it was instant, if that makes sense. It seemed gradual. Things were working, things were working. But then when it did actually happen, it just happened instantly. Bam. You know, lifted 10 years of addiction off my life, depression off my life, darkness off my life. You know, and it's really funny, I use this all the time. I remember leaving this church. It was, this, it was here in this church in 1997 that, that, I, that this all happened. And I remember leaving here that night and getting home. And just, my mind was racing from all the things that I'd heard from God, you know. It was like I was trying to download the internet on a USB drive, you know. Like I was trying to get all of God in my brain at once. And it was just, I remember just sitting there just being amazed. Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is the next day I woke up. I woke up in this. I was, still, I was still a physical mess. I still had no job. I still woke up in the same bedroom. I still woke up in all the same circumstances, but how I saw those circumstances had changed drastically. All of a sudden, I didn't see, I didn't see it all dark. I started seeing in color. I started seeing light. I started seeing life. Now, remember, this is only 24 hours. Not a lot can happen in 24 hours physically, can it? Not a lot can change, but everything changed in my life that day. Every single thing, and it was because of the way I looked at my life. The way I looked at my life. It had flipped it all around, you know? I saw my circumstances differently, you know? And there's a, there's a scripture in Acts 9, and it's where uh, Paul, okay? So Paul, he wrote probably two-thirds of the New Testament, but, but back in the day, he, he didn't like Christians. He didn't like the followers of Jesus. He would actually go and kill them. He'd persecute them. But one day he had an encounter with God. And I, I, I think, and I, I like it, I like it. it. I feel like it was similar to my one. He had this amazing encounter and he ended up going blind. Okay? But this is the bit that I want to get to. There's a bit in the scripture where it says, and then the scales were removed and they fell from his eyes. You know, these scales sometimes that block us from seeing what God wants us to see because we're too conformed to what the world says. These scales that, that block us from seeing the spiritual. You know, and they get removed. Once they get removed, oh my gosh, life is so different. You know, but we need to do that as well. You know, you know, we, we seem to think that, that if to be happy, everything has to be all good, eh? Like, everything has to be good to be happy. Um, and then we start looking for perfection. And like I said, perfection's not there. Perfection's not there. So we've got to start learning how to see things differently. We need to start learning how to do things through the storm. You know, Dee, we mentioned before, she had a really, really bad week. But she had to get up here and lead the service. You know what I mean? She can't wait. She can't go, oh, hey, can we just wait till 11 a.m. until I feel a bit better, you know, or midday, or can we do it Monday? You, no, you know, you've got to be ready. You've got to be ready. So what I'm trying to say is everything doesn't have to be perfect. It's how you see it. The big one is that we don't get overwhelmed by it. That's the big one, you know. Um... It's, it's funny though, everyone seems, and I, I joke about Facebook, but I put a lot on that because of the influence and the reach that has to people, and that helps conform people as well, you know, and it's like you have to be living your best life. It's almost like everyone has to be putting forward their best life in that, which is all good, as long as we know there's a balance, you know what I mean? I don't think life was meant to be all good all the time. You were meant to be all good all the time, hey. We're meant to be all good all the time. God's all good all the time. But our circumstances don't have to be. 
You know, it's, what's it saying? It says it's a bit corny, but it says you've got to learn to dance in the rain. Hey. Yeah, it was corny, eh? Um, but you do. You'll learn to dance in the rain. You know, I can't wait till oh, I'm just, I'm only going to be happy when it's not raining. I'm only going to be happy when I've got enough finances. I'm only happy when I'm this and that. Yeah, we've got to find joy. We've got to find joy. Because you know what joy is? Joy is a seep. It's seep. A deep. Yeah, you know. Hey, do you know? Say it. Yeah, regardless of circumstances, eh? Yeah, NBC. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. You've got to enjoy life in spite of circumstances. You can't wait until everything's perfect. That's why Jesus is perfect. You know? God makes a way where there is no way. He makes a way where there is no way. He has made a way for me where there was no way. He, he made a way here for me to get saved and then to go on and live an awesome life. He made a way for me here. He made it. It's like he went before me, straightened out all my paths and then just led me here. And then, man, I just stand there and I humble myself to God and he changes my life. Absolutely changed my life. You know, in Isaiah 43, it talks about uh, Moses led his people out of captivity, eh? Okay, so he set them free out of Egypt. They were in slavery. These guys were in slavery. They were, they were living the worst life. Moses, God sets them free and they get to, this, to the sea and everyone's chasing them. And the sea's there and they're blocked. Nowhere to go. No way. There's no way. God made a way. God parted the sea and he led them through it. Then the water crashed down on everyone that was chasing them. And they got to see that. They got to see God say, I've got your back. I'm looking after you. And yet what happened, a little bit down the track, they started moaning. They just kept moaning about stuff because things weren't going right. You know, they'd, they'd witnessed all these miracles, but they'd lost their trust in God. The moment something went wrong, they went back to their slave mentality. They went back to their slave identity. Oh, we should have just died in Egypt. Should have just left us there. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, we can't have that slave mentality. You know, at the end of the day, it says, it says here, and I love this, it says, um, I will make a way in the wilderness. He doesn't say he's going to take us out of the wilderness. We'll eventually get out of the wilderness, but he's going to show us a way in the wilderness. It then says he's going to put a stream in the wasteland. He's not going to take us out of the wasteland. He's going to put a stream in the wasteland. We've got to be able to learn to live. But we've got to live in God's grace. And God's grace is above everything else. God's grace lifts us and allows us to live above all the rubbish in the world. And that's where we've got to go to. It says we're seated at the right hand. Seated at the right hand with him. So, yeah. I'm going to finish off on a story. You know, there's a, um, and, and it's actually quite a sad story, but it's, there's, a, there's a real point to it with this, and I couldn't stop thinking about it when I was putting this message together. There was a young fellow that I used to mentor. His name was Jess, and his mother came to this church one time when I was doing a Mother's Day service. I was taking Mother's Day, and I was talking about my mum and just how awesome she was. And I talked about how the key to it was that mum, for me, wasn't just... She didn't just make a difference. Mum actually was the difference for me in a lot of situations that even got me here to be with God. Now, she was sitting in the back and she heard, and she came up to me after the service and she said, oh, I was listening to your message and she said, I really want to talk to you. My son's in jail at the moment and um, he's only 19 and he's, he got 12 years, 12 years jail and 19 years old um, 
for an altercation up in New Plymouth. They had a bit of a fight and someone grabbed a bit of wood and went to whack them and he grabbed it and whacked the guy and he, he lost his eye. You know, so it's, it was a bad charge. But 12 years for a 19-year-old man, that's a lot. You know, to me, there's not a lot of redemption around that. You know what I mean? There's not a rehabilitation. I mean, at 19, doing 12 years, you could just go stuff it. You know, I'm just going hard. Um, but this young fella didn't, and his mum said to me, can you please come and see him? Would you come and meet him and talk to him in the prison? Now, I remember saying to her, yeah, cool, but I hear your, your heart as a mother, but I actually need him to say that he wants me to come and talk to him. Because I don't know if you've ever been to prison. Some of you look like you have. Um, <laughs> but um, I don't know if you've been to prison, but it's pretty awkward in a visiting room. It's actually a really awkward space. So to go up there and see a stranger who may not want to talk to you, but you're there because his mum wants you to talk to him, can be a bit awkward. So I said, look, I'm happy to talk to him. I felt a real connection with her straight away, and I said, I'm happy to talk to him. But I need to know that he wants to talk to someone. You know, because I had met this young fellow, and I, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to turn up there and he's just going to be some little young gangster, you know, who's still, you know, in the middle of it, loving it. Um, and so, but then she came back all excited. She said, oh, yeah, he does want to visit you. So I said, okay. So I filled out the paperwork and that, and I applied for a visit. Anyway, the day the visit came, and I got up there, and I'm in line waiting, and I realised I don't even know what he looks like. I don't even know what this guy looks like, so I'm just standing there looking around going, oh, I hope it's not him. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, 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 don't look at me. Yeah, hey, it was a couple of horrors in there. Um, and anyway, he then, I just thought, I'll just wait. i wait till everyone had a visit, and then I'd just seen the same guy that was looking around aimlessly like me and went, oh, you. Anyway, we sat down and we met for the first time. I talked to him for over an hour, and it just went so easy, just so easy. And I could tell straight away that this young man had something in him, and, he, and, he, and that, was not his, that was not his destiny, you know. Um, he was genuinely remorseful for what he'd done, um, and he was extremely positive considering he, you know, this was, he was only in his first year of doing 12 years, or second, oh, sorry, second year of doing 12 years. Anyway, I said to him, look, I'd like to keep in touch with you, you know, if I can. I said, look, I, I haven't got all the answers to the world, but I've, I've been in your seat, and I'd love to help you. And... Uh, from there, we, we formed a really close connection, and so I would go up and meet with him in the prison every two weeks, and I did that for about three years. I would go up and see him, and um, him and I built a really good relationship, really strong relationship, because the big one for me is it's easy to have dreams in jail. It's easy to have think the best because you, when you've got these restrictions, you know, you're sort of conforming. You're in a box, you know, you're conforming. And um, anyway... He, he'd done it for years and he finally was coming up for parole and I, I got to go and speak at his parole hearing to the board, you know, which really blew me away. I was actually blown away by that. Um, got to go and chat with them and talk with them and eventually they let him out. They let him out, you know, and he got out and he was out for about three or four months and everything was going well. He, he, we were doing some studies and I was catching up with him at the gym and everything was going good. Then after a few months, um, some friends come on the scene, he met some lady, he got involved, and obviously there was drugs involved, so he got back involved in the drugs, and um, it just went downhill from there. I, I caught up with him one night, and it had got to the stage where he wouldn't even talk to me in the car. We had to get out of the car, because he kept thinking that my car was bugged, you know, like there was something. So I could see there was, he was just spiralling mentally, and this is all from the drugs and everything else, and I could see him just spiralling, 
And, you know, the sad thing is that that young man, he, I, the last time I saw him, he, we were talking and I said to him, look, don't do anything rash, don't, because he was going to go to New Plymouth. I said, don't go to New Plymouth yet. Let's wait till I get home from work tomorrow and we'll sort it out. And I got back and he'd gone. He'd already gone. So he'd made that decision already, but he'd already gone. And then a couple, uh, about a, three weeks later, I found that they'd found him up in the bush. He'd hung himself and killed himself, you know. And so that, that was actually really hard. That hit me really hard. But the point that I'm making is that man was in prison in a jail physically, and he was the freest he'd ever been in his mind. He dreamed about what he was going to do when he got out here. He talked about He had imagination. He had hope. He had everything. And then he's physically out of prison. He gets in here and he puts his mind in jail. We enslave ourselves. He had a slave mentality and he lost his identity and he died, man. You know? And that's the key to it. That, that is the, you know? And so the thing about it is that we need our minds to be free. It doesn't matter about it, you know? And that comes from our spirits being free and being connected to God. You know, we don't have to worry about, you know, it seems trivial to me now, you know, some of the things, you know, when, when I think about his, his death, you know, it's like, man, the guy had everything going for him, but he could not see it. You know, we need to see it. And the only way we can see it is by believing what God says about us, because if we start looking for it in the world, conform to the world, it's going it's, it's to ruin us. I see all the mental health, I see the homelessness, the drug addiction, the, the hopelessness, man, around this world. And that's because that, people say the system's failing. It's not. That's what it's designed to do. The system is designed to put pressure on us and stress and overwhelm us. You know, whereas God wants to free us up. God wants to free us up. God wants to free you up today. Man, you could have been in Christ forever and you can still get caught up in it. You can still get that, that mentality where you just feel like you're just hitting a ceiling. But yeah. It's just around how we see things. You know, like I said before, I, I see my life so differently now. Someone asked me about my week last week, and I said, I had an amazing week. And they were like, oh, wow, that's positive. I need to do that. I need to speak that more. And I was, sat back and I thought, it, I haven't had that different a week from any other weeks. I'm just seeing it differently. I'm just enjoying it. I'm not letting the enemy steal my joy and, you know, and, and try and skip it. Because I'll tell you what, if you, if you wait for where everything Health-wise, finances, relational, work, everything, family is perfect. Man, enjoy that 10 seconds of life. Hey, you know what I mean? We're going to learn how to live in spite of circumstances. God wants to give you joy. Joy. He wants to free you up. He wants to give you a sense of well-being regardless of circumstances, no matter what's going on. At the moment, man, my capacity is, is, is increasing. And the reason why is because I'm going, man, I'm not sweating that. I'm not sweating that. Oh, I'll definitely sweat that, <laughs> you know. Oh, I'm sweating all over that. But I'm not sweating the small stuff, you know. And I'm not, I'm not letting the world conform me to what my life's like. You know, I'm letting God conform me. And God's just telling me I'm doing really well. <laughs> God loves me. He was saying, oh, man, you're the man. Hey, nah. But he does. You know, you hear what God's got to say, man, you're going to think differently about yourself. You want to hear what the world's got to say, man. I always use this as an example. Jesus said, who do you say I am? He asked us, so who do you say I am? Now, the funny thing about that question was it was more about Peter's identity than it was Jesus. But could you imagine if Jesus was on earth today and he posted on Facebook, who do you say I am? Mate, you'd have every troll in the world. You'd have millions of, oh, you're this, you're that. Nah, you're that, you're this, you're this. Can't let people 
Can't let people conform our identity. Our identity is in Christ. Our identity is in God. So my last scripture, because here's the thing, there's a lot going on eh, in the world. Let's be honest, there's a lot going on. I mean, not just personally in our own lives or in the community, but, but globally, you know, there's a pandemic that, that's affected this world. So there's a lot going on, and it creates a lot of pressure. It can overwhelm people. And the thing is that our bodies were never designed to carry stress. We weren't. Because God says, fear not. Be, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry. Why does he say that? Because he knows that stuff's poisonous, man. It's toxic. So anyway, in, in, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, it says, Come to me all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, I love that scripture because it's not saying, hey, come to me and I'll take, you, I'll take all the burdens away, hey, which he will eventually. He'll take those burdens away. But what he's saying first is I'll give you rest even with the burdens. It says in the, the next bit, yoke with me, partner with me, come together with me, and I'll help you carry those loads. I'll help you through everything. And that, I, I love that because he doesn't, see, this is the thing. I always used to pray, God, get me out of this. And I'd cry and I'd oh, get me out of this. Ah, yeah, some of you have done it. Um, Probably some of you have heard me. Um, crying away, crying, oh, look at me. And then I changed my prayer to get me through this. Get me through this, God. Because some some, I've learned way more from my failings than I had my victories. Way more. And sometimes it's just, we've got to carry that burden. We've got to walk that walk for a little while because God's got something for us to learn and pick up. You know? But we can't lose our joys through it. Otherwise, life's going to become real hard. If we're only looking for when everything's all good, if we're only looking for perfection, then we're never going to be satisfied with life. Because the only true perfection is Jesus. Amen? Amen. Right. See what I'm going to do now. I need a little bit of mood music going. Some lighting. You know, today speaking, you know, I, I know I tell a lot of stories, and I know I sort of just blend scriptures in, but, but I trust God's spirit is working. Because it's, it's not my voice, it's, not my, it's what God's saying to you at the moment. And there's two things that I'd love to do. The first thing I'd love to do is I'd love to give an opportunity to anyone, anyone who just wants to make some peace with God. You know, that, that's what it is. That's really what it's all about, is getting right with God is making peace with God. And like Haley said, there's nothing we can do, no way we can earn it. We just have to accept it. So there's two things I want to do now. I want to pray. I want to pray for people. I really want us to pray for some people. I don't want anyone leaving this room carrying anything. If you've got a burden, if you've got anything, we want to pray in agreement that God's got you, you know? So I want to do two things. If, you, if you've never, ever accepted Jesus, then, then come up to the front and we'll just lead you through a simple prayer. It's easy. It's easy. I also want to open up for prayer for, man, if you, if you feel like you're in a box... If you feel like you're stuck, if you feel overwhelmed, if you feel anything like that, because we all do, we all do, then we need to lay it. And you know the thing about it? This has to be the safest place in the world. If we can't bring our problems up here, if we can't bring them up the front of, of, of church and lay them down at this altar, then where are we going to lay them down? Where are we going to let go of them? So just while Matt and the team play some music, Okay, I won't even, can we just get everyone to stand two things? Just, just while we're in this, we've only got a few more minutes, but just while we're in here, man, let's just worship, worship the Lord, and then anyone that wants prayer, just feel free to come forward. Just start coming forward, and we'll pray for you.